It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown Raiders. And now. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT in Vegas today on a somber day. Pelé dies, the greatest soccer player of all time, the three-time World Cup champion, who I believe is on the Mount Rushmore of the most important athletes of all time, along with Muhammad Ali. I don't know who's on your all-time, all-time list, but Pelé's got to be on it. And you can't put Tiger Woods on it because Jack's got more majors than Tiger. I know you'd like to put Tiger on it, but in theory, you got to put Jack on it before Tiger. But Muhammad Ali, because of his global recognition and Pele for his global importance, Pele died earlier today after hospice. It's the biggest story around the world. Now, I think May, uh, Messi is right there with Pele. He's got a World Cup, arguably a better player overall, but hard to say. Because Pele, the king of the beautiful game, dies at the age of 82. Uh, That warrants a phone call. That warrants a tweet to say that and the impact that he's had. Again, I I try to often say on this show, expand your mind. Understand that the biggest sport in the world is soccer. It's bigger than Major League Baseball. The NFL and the NBA combined, combined, a lot bigger because it's played all over the world. And people are passionate about it. And Pelé, considered the greatest player of all time, passed away at 82. And rest in paradise to him. And if you're a soccer fan, clearly this is, if you're ever going to make a soccer call, if you're ever going to make a soccer tweet, today would be the day to do it. Now, we're all talking about Derek Carr. For everybody who loves Derek, likes Derek, respects Derek, is the face of the franchise for nine years. It looks like that journey comes to an end. In Las Vegas, as he was benched the last two games, will not be with the team which is kind of shocking to me. Either way, I just thought this wouldn't end this way. It ends this way. It's a business. Uh, The Raiders want to make sure that he doesn't get injured because if he gets injured, they have to pay him for next year. And at this point, the Raiders don't want to pay him for next year. Not saying that he couldn't come back. Most likely he doesn't come back. Not saying he's a fair value for the price of his contract. But the Raiders got some overhauls to do, like it or not, and they're not able to do what they want to do From a balance sheet perspective, if Derek gets hurt, he has no trade value because he's injured, and the Raiders are on the hook for the guarantee. You know that. And it's not personal, but for a lot of people, they think it's personal. They think it's personal. So that's for you to do. I'm not not here to convince you to change your mind on anything with Derek Carr. Again, you know me. You've heard Derek on with me. I was the last guy to interview him in a long-form interview when he got his contract extension with his wife and kids. I saw him a couple of weeks ago in the lunchroom, wishing, wishing him well. I really like Derek Carr. I've only said great things about him. I've been critical throughout his career when he doesn't play well. If he doesn't play well and they lose and he has a bad game, we're critical. We're critical because we're sports talk radio. But most of it's been pretty good. I don't think he's been the problem for his career. I think the problem was a lot of turnover at the offensive coordinator position, the head coach position. He never played for a great defense, and he's had okay. 
He's had okay offensive lines, but he hasn't had elite offensive lines. If you were paying attention to the 50th year of the Immaculate Reception, and I know you are, if you look at a Raider's life and you look at all the Raider historic historic videos and their greatest games, they had the greatest offensive line at one point. They, they had Upshaw and Shell, and that's why the quarterbacks had a little bit more time to make plays. Snake played behind Upshaw and Shell and a lot of other good offensive linemen. Henry Lawrence, three-time Super Bowl champ, one of them should be a Hall of Famer in theory. Bob Brown, Hall of Famer. Jim Otto, depending on when you look at LaMonica, Flores, the end of uh, Stabler, when Otto played, one of the greatest centers, if not the greatest center of all time. Derek didn't have that. Rich Gannon played behind Barrett Robbins. He was great before he had his personal struggles. Played behind Lincoln Kennedy, who you'll hear tomorrow on Raiders Roundtable. Played behind some really good offensive linemen. Derek didn't have that. Colt Mill is a very good player, but he doesn't have a wall like they have in Dallas. Troy Aikman played behind one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. I'm not saying that Derek is Troy Aikman, but Troy Aikman had a little bit easier with that offensive line that was there. So with all of this that we're talking about in sports radio and in life, we like to tear people down, build them up, tear people down. I watched Derek go through that. And really on the internet, in regards to social media, he'd look at it. Maybe he'd brought his brother would look at it. They'd make comments, whatever it was. Fans, his own fans came after him really hard his entire time he was with the team. And Derek handled it well. I mean, was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. We aren't. But Derek tries to be, and he tries to help out in the community. And he's faith-based. And I know his faith will carry him through this, and I think he's got a great career still in front of him, no matter where he ends up. Vince Sapienza has covered the Raiders from the moment they broke ground. And before that, coming here to Henderson, he hosts Raiders press conference live so Vince I want to begin you've hosted a lot of press conferences for the Raiders in the facility after Carr wins this year and losses is this shocking to you did you see this potentially coming I'm absolutely stunned JT Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people that said the writing was on the wall I'm absolutely stunned Uh, this is one of those that uh, you know he really has I think a lot of fans scratching their heads and you know I don't think I've ever seen a player as polarizing as Derek Carr when you consider he never got in trouble off the field. All he did was put up, you know, numbers uh, on teams and franchise uh, for a franchise that never really had a winning formula while he was here. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people can say he's the reason they haven't had a winning formula, but when you look at the numbers, I mean, the first Raider, 30,000 yards, leader in touchdowns, he, he leads all the stats, right? Nine years. You know, people talk about his toughness or lack thereof. He missed three games due to injury in nine years. I mean, durable is not an issue. Durability was never an issue with this guy. I've just never seen a guy so polarizing uh, when, you know, at times he was given so little to work with. And then I think you look at this year and he has all the options available to him. And for one reason or another, whoever you want to point the finger at, this team, as a team, completely failed. Uh, on a weekly basis. I think if anybody's pointing the finger solely at Derek Carr, they haven't been watching these games uh, fairly. Um, that doesn't mean he's, he's, you know, omit from being criticized for play or lack of play or things like that. I, I'm just, I'm truly stunned that he, you know, he wouldn't be given at least another game at home. 
the fact that he wouldn't be allowed to play out the season, technically playoffs still alive, even though they could be out of it before they even kick off. You know, there's a lot of things that just has you scratching your head about this decision. But it's clear that uh, the, the brass, Mark Davis, backed Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler midseason. So he drew his line in the sand. And whatever they said on car was going to be the future. That's how it was going to be. Strong opinions from Vince Sapienza, Fox 5 here in Vegas. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think he would have been playing out these final games if the Raiders were in real playoff contention. They're not. The season's over. It's impossible for them to get to the playoffs, especially they have the two toughest teams in all of football back-to-back. And I think it was about protecting Derek from getting injured if they were going to have any leverage in the offseason. I mean, the way this season went, Vince, the bad luck that this franchise has had, and I think a lot of the games were bad luck on top of not executing. I think they were prepared and they didn't execute. You imagine if Bosa came around the corner and took him out and he tore his ACL or his back Something happened in the next year. He's hooked. He's guaranteed with all that money, and the Raiders can't trade him like Garoppolo? Yeah, I mean, it's completely understandable, you know, when you look at the financial decision. The Mm -hmm. the Raiders want to make sure that they're doing the best for the organization, as they should. They need to make sure they have the best flexibility in terms of making their decision when they make their decision, whether that's now or whether that's, you know, in a few weeks in the Mm -hmm. offseason when they have to decide before his contract guarantees kicks in. I guess the part that I think a lot of people are struggling with is the fact that he's not even at the facility. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not even with the team. And, you know, you hear Josh McDaniels say how great Derek was when they were having the conversation about shutting him down, sitting him down. Uh, You would think if he was so great about it, you would think he would still be there in the quarterback room helping Mm -hmm. a guy like Jared Sidham, who's going to have his first NFL start at home at Allegiant Stadium against one of, if not the top team in the National Football League in San Francisco. So, again, where, where you point the finger or who's saying what, we'll probably never know. It's just it's a tough situation. You just feel like you wish things were handled differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right way is in terms of benching a guy who's been the face of your franchise for nine years. Um, but it just it just seems a, a little sloppy. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think it would be great to have him in the quarterback room helping Jared Stidham, who helped him, help Derek the entire offseason, and we don't know all the details about that negotiation, what happened, but he is outside the building. Vince Sapienza joins us, Fox 5. So let's kind of move ahead to the 49ers. I'm, I'm just blown away of what they've done. They've gotten really lucky and fortunate after Garoppolo got hurt, was hurt in the offseason. Trey Lance got hurt. And then Mr. Irrelevant comes in and can play. I mean, I thought he could come in and have a good game, a bad game, a bad game, a good game. He hasn't had a bad game. The guy has complete control of the pocket in Brock Purdy. So I envisioned about a month ago that when he would get this opportunity, he'd just hand it off at Allegiant Stadium, and Derek Carr would be throwing bombs to Waller and Devontae, and maybe the Raiders would have a puncher's chance. Now with George Kittle and Purdy, they look like they've been playing together, Vince, for three or four years. Well, this team's just a machine, and I think that, you know, this game spotlights and makes things even more difficult for Raider Nation on a week like this, seeing a guy like Brock Purdy, Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, just come in and kind of seamlessly transition and move the offense and, and do what he needs to do, and I think that's going to be even a, a tougher pill for, for the fans to, to swallow in terms of watching at Allegiant mm-hmm. Stadium, considering how big of a struggle it was for the Raiders offense to do the same on a consistent basis. 
Look, the 49ers are, are coached really well. They have a clear identity on both sides of the ball. They don't sway from it. Um, good, bad, or ugly, they stay with it. And, and I think it shows. And I think that that's, you know, you're, you're looking at two teams at very different places in terms of the franchise, in terms of where they are, in terms of uh, building for championships. I mean, there's clear identities everywhere you look, and, and I think that's something the Raiders are looking to strive for as they close out these final two games at home. They're looking to, to hang their hat on something, whether that's Josh Jacobs, whether that's continuing to feed Devontae late, uh, or whether that's just you know trying to build some kind of consistency defensively. I think they're just looking for any kind of positive in these final two weeks, and, and they're going to get a nice litmus test against San Francisco and Kansas City coming to town. I would agree. Uh, Vince Sapienza joins us. Vince, let's move to the Vegas Golden Knights. The wins have been incredible this year. They have been. There have been some great wins this year. But what's happening at home, and then you lose to the Ducks, and they have 51 shots on goal. I'm watching last night with my wife and one of my sons, and they go over 50 shots on goal, and then they get to overtime, and they're man down, and then they get to the shootout, and they lose that way. And I'm saying, okay, you know, that's, that happens in hockey. 2-2 wasn't like they lost 6-1 on the road here. But, wow, this is a roller coaster ride this year for a team that's really good out west and still should have a very high seed when the playoffs come around. Look, I'm going to preface all this by saying the Golden Knights are still first place in the Pacific, still first place in the Western Conference. So that being said, they're in a good spot. But as we saw last year, things can take a turn. Pete DeBoer was the NHL All-Star head coach because his team was at the top of the Pacific, and look what happened to him this offseason. So things can happen quick in the National Hockey League. That being said, what we saw when the Golden Knights played the St. Louis Blues at T-Mobile Arena, the game just before the holiday break, it was by far the best game of the season, and it was as loud of a building as I had heard in, in maybe a year and a half. I mean, the place was electric. It, it felt like year one in terms of the excitement, in terms of you just felt like this was their game. Then you go into the holiday break, and they did that, by the way, without six of their regulars in the lineup. So you felt like even though this team was being bit by the injury bug like they were last year, they were able to weather the storm like they couldn't a year ago but out of the holiday break for whatever reason they you know you have to travel the day of unless you're toronto and you get special rules but you go to la you you play a barn burner that game literally it really could have gone either way that was a flip of the coin very similar to the season opener you lose that game but then you you come right back and you, you play anaheim a team that came in with the second fewest wins in the national hockey league a team that gave up the most shot attempts per game Every bad stat, they had it. There was no reason to lose that game. You give up two goals on the first five shots. You have to pull your goalie, and you're playing catch-up ever since, and you're down seven regulars in your lineup. You still get a point out of it. That's the positive. But the Golden Knights need to take the day off today. They're back at practice tomorrow. And I think it's a massive game on Saturday. New Year's Eve special, noon, T-Mobile Arena. The place is going to be electric. The strip is going to be buzzing. That has to be a win. This, you know, there's not a lot of must-wins, JT, at the end of December mm-hmm. in the NHL. But in terms of the confidence of getting this team rolling that, that doesn't have a lot of healthy bodies, they need two points on Saturday. I agree with you. Hey, Vince, finally, we'll talk to you in the new year, as we always do. But, you know, you got your wife, your kids. I saw your kids segment on Fox 5. You look back at this year. I've been asking everybody, what is the biggest thing that happened in Vegas this year? I'll go first. I think it was the announcement of F1. Because I think F1 is something that we've never seen, and it's going to bring 
hundreds of millions, billions into this community long term. Give me a couple for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously F1, and I think we're just scratching the surface on how big F1 is really going to be when it gets here. It's going to be insane. Obviously, seeing the Las Vegas Aces bring bring the first pro major championship to the city was absolutely incredible. A parade on the strip was absolutely bonkers. Mm -hmm. But for me, the highlight was the NFL draft. I mean, you follow the NFL draft up with the Pro Bowl at Allegiant Stadium, and the draft, this town was incense. It was a fantastic event you know it, it was kind of the first major event where you felt like things were back to normal post pandemic and i know things are still you know we're not in the clear yet but you know that one felt like we were back to normal the lost city of las vegas showed up showed out put on an incredible show and uh, i i think you know the the eyes of the nfl world got to see this city even though they've had the raiders for a couple years now they saw the city in a different light, and I think that's just the beginning of what's to come. And as you mentioned, like F1 is only going to enhance that. Thanks, Vince. Happy New Year. Appreciate everything you do for us. Your content has been fantastic, as always. I'll see you Sunday at Allegiant and uh, a bunch in the New Year. Thank you. Right back at you, JT. Thanks. All right, Vince Sapienza, Fox 5. He had strong opinions, really strong. He always does, but in the beginning there, about Derek not being in the building, which – is a surprise to other people as that was negotiated that he wouldn't be a distraction or who thought he'd be a distraction or did he think he was a distraction and why he's not there for these final couple of games here. It, it is shocking to a lot of Raider fans, and that's what we're doing today. We're taking your phone calls on the legacy of Derek Carr, even though it's not finality. Got to throw that out there. Look what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo. He was out of the building, done. Plus, he was injured. He was injured, and he came back and got new money, and they redid his deal. But Jimmy Garoppolo played. What could happen? I'm assuming, like you, that Derek is not going to be playing again for the Raiders. So if you want to get that call in here, or if you want to talk about the 49ers and what this game means, it's an important game. You know, I'm excited. Joe Satriani, one of my top Mount Rushmore guitar players, is performing. Ice Cube, too short. The entertainment. The Niner fans are going to be there. I know we're going to hear rumblings about how many Niner fans came in. I have the generic answer for me. I can't control what you do with your tickets. I know what I do with my tickets. I can't control what you do with your tickets. So Raider fans, try to get in there, be a part of this, and make it tough on the Niners. Make it tough. You have today, as I talked about with the coach, that the running back here is, is running for a running record. He's trying to lead the league and break the Raiders' single-season rushing record. He and only Marcus Allen have gone under over 1,500 yards. That's a lot to play for. If you're the offensive lineman and you got a gift from Josh Jacobs for Christmas, you might, not, you might get another gift at the end of the year because he leads the league in rushing and he breaks the Raiders' record. I hope because this is a damn good defense for the Niners. Number one defense overall, number one scoring defense, and number one rushing defense. I would think they're going to hand the ball off a lot in this game. I think they're going to try to, to hand the ball off and run it. That doesn't work at times. Cam Hayward was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week because he blew up the Raiders' running game on Franco Harris night. These guys are good up front. If you run it right at them, they will stop you. So what do they have to do on play action? What do they got to do to get Josh Jacobs going? How do you slow down the 49ers? I've never been ever scared about any opponent. I've been concerned. Normally about Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Mahomes. 
And with Brock Purdy playing here, I think he'll give the Raiders a couple of balls to go get. The only thing that concerns me about this game is the Raiders, if they're not close. They got to keep it close. They've been close in every game this year other than at New Orleans. So get to halftime with the lead. We've seen what happened there. Or get to halftime in a manageable score. Give the Raider fans the opportunity in the third quarter to have a football game to get on their feet for and root for. Be in the game. Be in the game late in the game because they owe that to the Raider fans. They owe it to themselves, and Max Crosby will demand it. 702-365-9200. I believe I'm open for most of the show to the top of the hour. If you got a concern about Derek, if you got a question, if you got an issue, you know what you want. You say it. We all know what you want to talk about. You want to talk about Derek Carr and the fact that he's no longer with the team, not in the building, benched the last two games. How does that affect you as a Raider fan as we continue on? On a beautiful day today, considering a lot of my friends around the country still haven't been able to get home. We want to thank the entire team at Modelo and Constellation Brands. Wow, what a year for us with Modelo. The remotes we were able to do at Cafe Americano over at Red Tail. I host the pre- and post-game show, and the post-game shows at the Modelo Cantina Club right inside Allegiant Stadium. You know I reward myself at the end of the week every Friday with a bucket of Modelo's. More people come up to me now than ever before and said, JT, can I buy you a Modelo? Because I drink Modelo. They're the proud partner of the show here. And I love everything we do with them. We got a lot of big stuff going on going forward with them. Very loyal to Modelo and what they've done for this show. How cool is it to have a radio show brought to you by the fighting spirit of Modelo in the entertainment capital of the world? Toast to Modelo. And toast one to Derek Carr. And appreciate what Derek's done for this organization and this city. JT, we continue on on the flagship. Thank you, Modelo. There's a possibility that we would we, we would do the right thing regardless of the position. Everybody, you know, can do better, and I, I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that he could do the same thing. So, it's Josh McDaniels. I interviewed him a little while ago. You will hear that tomorrow, along with Raiders Roundtable with Lincoln Kennedy and Q Myers, and uh, we'll get through this. Everybody's going to get through this and heading on in for the Niner game, which will be coming off New Year's Eve. So for that, that's interesting. And Bobby, you get on the microphone for a second because Bobby is like a brother to me. He's been with me longer than anybody in my entire career. Bobby, I don't think New Year's Eve is amateur hour. I am still very, very young at heart, and I like New Year's Eve. People call it amateur hour. I love New Year's Eve. I like a party. But we got a Raider game at 105, pregame 1115 at the torch. So I will be announcing my limited New Year's Eve ability to go have late night fun. So in other words, you're going to get a room on the strip and just stay down there, right? Well, that would be interesting. But there's a, I do have a room on the strip, but I'm going to stay See? home. I, I'm going to stay home. And I'm going, to, I'm going to, it's a school night for me when the Raiders play. It's a school night. So we'll see what happens tonight. But you know, I try, to, I try to stay on the lock and key during the week until I interview the coach on Thursday and then get some friends in town. Again, I'm not making light of this, everybody. I know you're going through this. Uh, one of our producers and directors on Raiders TV today said you know, he had to drive from Boise to get home. 
one of our other valued teammates at the Raiders, who's a part of what we do at Silver and Black Productions, stuck in the Bay Area with his family, has to drive back to Vegas. That's not easy to do. How many Niner fans and Raider fans who drive to Vegas the night before on game day are going to look around and say, oh, my God, I can't fly. I have to drive. I don't know what this game's going to look like. I just know that Niner fans have had these tickets for a while, just like Chief fans and Denver fans. And when you've never been to Allegiant Stadium and you hear all the great things about this stadium, you want to see your team play here. Just like for me at Lambeau. You know, I want to see the Raiders play at Lambeau. But this is different because when you go to Lambeau and you go to Appleton, Wisconsin, or Milwaukee or Green Bay to see the Packers, and it's such a great experience, please make it your bucket list. But there's nothing to do. You sit in Brett Favre's Steakhouse or you sit at Stadium View Bar and you eat chicken wings and have beer. You come to Vegas, you go to see a show, you go to a concert, you go to the game, you go to a nightclub and all that. So more and more fans come here. I'm not making excuses for it. I'm a season ticket holder. I pay. I pay to sit in my seats with my wife and kids, and it's a lot of money. And Niner fans, like other fans, are going to say, I got plenty of money. I got plenty of money. What do the tickets cost? I want in. And that's what happens every year when I go to the Super Bowl. For years, I've gone. I've been to over 20 Super Bowls. Sometimes courtesy of the Raiders helping me get in or other times trying to get in on my own with other friends. And it used to be, hey, you know, 1200 bucks to get in the Super Bowl. Now it's six, 7000 Now Raiders, how much is it? Can, can you get in for 100 bucks? No, it's Allegiant Stadium. And fans go, I don't care. I want to go. I got to see this place. And the Niner fans will want to come. And the Niner fans are going to want to come in and be loud. And the Niners got everything to play for. And the Raiders have pride and poise, and the Raiders have got to show up and put up a big fight. And I think that's going to be a J.J. Watt moment. This is just my prediction for Mad Max. I'm not saying, I'm not predicting the score. But J.J. Watt's retired. He's going to go down as one of the greats of all time. You hear his speeches this year on a four-win team in Arizona. I'm watching Hard Knocks on HBO. His speeches are bone-chilling when they lose. Get back to work. Get back in the weight room. Get back to film study. We got something to play for. He was telling everybody that because he knew in the back of his mind he was going to retire. Mad Max is going to say the same thing, but he's not retiring. Mad Max is going to be in that locker room when they come out and say everything that J.J. Watt says because Mad Max has got a whole career in front of him. He wants to make sure that that career is buttoned up, that he never has a game he takes off, never thinks of it, and his teammates better follow his lead because a lot of people are going to be watching. Uh, Eden in El Paso, if I got that right. Thanks for listening on the app. What's happening? Yeah, you got it right, JT. Thank you for everything you do. I appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, what the Raiders did was a really, really tough decision, like really super tough decision. Um, but I think it was one that had to be made just for the franchise to go forward. I think a lot of people are in shock of what's going on, but I think at the same time, um, it's been nine years, but... I mean, Carr has been the face of the franchise for such a long time that it's uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard, you know. It's hard, you know. Like, I mean, I love Carr. I don't think anybody wants to see him go, but at the same time, I feel like he was the first step, and then let's go to another step to to win a championship. And he built that foundation, and I know the Davis family will always take care of him, no matter what happened this week or what will make may go forward but um i just think that um it, it was a really hard decision and i don't think anybody's happy about what happened but 
I also think that um, it was a necessary decision. And um, I know there's there's got to be a plan because you can't just say whatever and figure it out. You have to have a plan if you're going to let Carr go. Well, yeah, and that's what we're trying to figure out here. And when I find that out or we find that out or Dave Ziegler talks about it after the fact, Dave Ziegler, and I appreciate the call, is not going to tell you the plan. Nor should he, and he shouldn't tell the Colts the plan, and he shouldn't tell the Carolina Panthers the plan. What the Raiders are doing now with the gentlemen who are running the team in football operations is they're trying to protect their asset, which is the trade value for Derek Carr. And if Derek Carr ever walks, if he ends up walking and the Raiders get nothing for Derek Carr, that would be unfortunate. It really would be. I think we all know that. The last thing you want is to have a player at the level of Derek Carr the face of the franchise, leave the organization and have nothing to show for it. Now, it won't cost the Raiders financially much. It's not going to cost them anything much. It's it's a small fee to say goodbye to them, but the best-case scenario is what you're going to get in return. You want something in return. Derek Carr isn't a fifth-round pick. Okay, He's not a fourth-round pick. You want to get something big for Derek Carr, and that's why they're trying to protect him from injury. That, That makes a lot of sense to me. Robert in San Jose. Thanks for holding, Robert. Happy New Year. Go ahead. Uh, Happy New Year, JT. Uh, real quick before I get to my uh, Derek Carr take, uh, I I would put Tiger Woods over Jack just because of uh, the global impact that Tiger had on the game of golf, and far surpasses uh, what Jack mm-hmm. Nicklaus did. But having said that, and and condolences to Pele and his family. Uh, I'm disappointed. Uh, I guess a lot of reason a lot of us have been so adamant in defending Derek Carr. If you go back and look at the gap between Plunkett and Gannon and then Gannon and Carr, there's got to be at least 30 quarterbacks on that list. And Derek Carr was stability and hope. And right now, don't have that stability and hope. And I'm not sure that uh, I'm confident in Ziegler or McDaniel in terms of their ability to draft. And that's something the Raiders haven't done well in 40 years is draft or play defense. So uh, I guess we just hope for the best. The only thing that could possibly make this a little better is maybe getting the Tom Brady as well as a young quarterback. And that's putting a little bit of lipstick and deodorant on the pig, but it is what it is. Uh, In terms of this Sunday, I, like you, hope that the Raiders do show up because I think it could get really ugly out there. Uh, in Allegiant Stadium when these two fan bases uh, get together. It's like brothers going against each other. And uh, when one organization is down, one fan base is down, and, you know, 49ers come in and they're going to be loud and, and mm-hmm. talking a lot of stuff. And if the Raiders are getting blown out like they did 34-3 the last time we played them, it could get really ugly out there. Uh, I had to make a choice between the Raider game and Formula One. So I go to my daughter's graduation from Cornell in May, and I, I chose, thank God, chose from the one. Uh, but mm-hmm. be careful out there. It, it, it could get ugly. Yeah, we're not, we're, not, um, we're not hoping for anything like that. We're not, we're not sitting here talking about anything getting ugly. I mean, I think one of the things, and I said this about Raider fans all the time, wherever it is, all the travel I've done with the Raider Nation is, you know, just protect yourselves and, and Police your own little community and make sure that there's not an incident with a fan in your area that you see brewing. The opposing fan or your fan, the Raider fan, it doesn't need to happen. And it hasn't really happened much in Vegas at all because I think Vegas understands it's more of a, 
entertainment global experience, even though the football games are really important and you want to win every game. But it's a brand new stadium. It's a really electric nightclub experience, club lounges, art all over the place. People aren't rolling into Allegiant Stadium to look for brawls. Plus security and cameras. This is Vegas. I remind everybody when they come to Vegas, there's a camera on you everywhere. Even when you think there's not a camera on you, it's Vegas. There's a camera on you. You got to be pretty stupid to get into a fight or to do something or to intimidate someone in a building like this. You know, you have to, you got to be smart and you got to make sure your area where you sit, especially the men, the men in there, if you see some shenanigans starting, just stop it and, and tell someone and go, go ask for some security or help. So it doesn't, it doesn't get out of control. And I don't expect that's going to happen here. We, we just want to talk about the football game. Richard in Arizona. Thanks for waiting and listening on the Raiders mobile app. Go ahead. Hey, pleasure talking to you, brother. Hey, um, you know, first of all, Mom, real quick, yeah, big Modelo fan. Love that they sponsor the show. Let's keep sponsoring the sponsors. Um, you know, you brought up J.J. Watt, and it's not my point, but I wanted to say the great Ted Hendricks said, you don't work football, you play football. And, and that's something that I wish people would understand. You play the game. But anyways, about Derek Carr. Um, I, I, I think the previous caller stole my thunder a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't have any faith in McDaniels or Ziggler to draft a quarterback. You know, Carr, it's a shocking that he's done so well with the changes in the organization. He's thrown less than 100 interceptions in his career with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, considering his, his tenure has been complete chaos. And yet we're going to – I just feel like he's a scapegoat, and that's mm-hmm. what's firing me up, is, is I feel like they're putting him as a scapegoat. I wish McDaniels would relinquish play calling. Instead of benching Carr, relinquish play calling. Start with that because while you brought up JT that he's been honest with the mm-hmm. players, I feel that he hasn't been honest with the fans because mm-hmm. he even said after after the Jaguars lost, Devontae was kind of questioning his play calling, and he said, well, it's a two-way street during McDaniels' play, uh, press conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a two-way street. But you know what? you got to keep it consistent. You think the most successful play caller in NFL history, the only one with six Super Bowls, came here? You think he should give up the play calling? And give it to who? I, 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 yes, I do. Okay. Give it to Lombardi. And, and, and the reason I say that is it's different being a head coach than mm-hmm. an OC. It's like having your house or renting a house. You are having a rental car and you're owning your own car. You're going to take care of it different. And he takes care of it different as a head coach. And that's okay. been proven in Denver when he traded Cutler for Tim Tebow. That was 12 years like, ago. That was 12 That was twelve I, uh, years ago. He would not have gotten this job if he didn't prove to other teams that wanted him and Mark Davis that this is not the Denver run. But, you know, you make an interesting point. There are a lot of, you know, Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Josh McDaniel hasn't. He relinquished play calling, and he coaches the team. And look at their record. I mean, again, some coaches can do that and oversee that. I just dipped the show in reality. I think that Josh McDaniels' control over this team is going to be building the offense, executing the offense that they prepare with him calling plays. I would like to see the team play much faster. I've talked about that. I've asked him about up-tempo more. I'd like to see the team play more desperate early in games, and I'd like to see the team not waste so much time early in the game getting in and out of the huddle, and I would hope that the next quarterback who's here, and if it's a big, big name or a younger quarterback, plays faster than what Derek played this year or what Derek was allowed to play 
in regards to not being allowed to play faster. I thought that Derek this year spent so much time at the line of scrimmage with checking, not checking the play, checking the protection, that it burned 8 to 9 to 11 to 12 seconds that the other team feasted on, feasted on, knowing the clock, knowing the down and distance, seeing the clock go 3 to 1. I would like that to get cleaned up. I'm surprised that was an issue this year with a nine-year veteran and a six-time Super Bowl play caller, but it happened, and they is they got to clean that up. Is that Carr or is that McDaniels? Though, I think I, I really believe that's a great question. I think that the coach runs the plays in practice. They run them. They put the plays in. They put out the game plan. You see them holding the plays. The play comes in, depending on how fast it comes from upstairs with their talk, it gets into Derek, and then Derek, for whatever reason, takes a lot of time to get that playoff. Now, that, after, that, after that voice turns off with 15 seconds to go, and Derek can't hear the coach, I don't know why Derek let the clock kick down to one second almost every time I'm at a game. I don't know that. I don't know if he's confused, if he wants to fix protection, if he doesn't think that the play's going to work. How many times have I told you on this show, my friend, run the play, run the play that you called in Henderson earlier in the week, and for whatever reason, they get to the line of scrimmage, and the clock's got two seconds on it, and I think it's an enhancement for the defense because the defense knows the ball's coming out almost exactly when. Is that fair? I, absolutely. I agree, with you. I agree with you on that 100%. I wish you could interview Carr on that and kind of ask him that. Maybe you can ask Josh on that because I feel that, that I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Look, again, there's so many things you could ask the coach that the coach is going to go deep, 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 deep dive down and tell you what hasn't worked with a quarterback he benched. He benched the quarterback. That's what the coach did. He benched them. They're going in a different direction. It did not work out. It did not work out at the level, and there is plenty of blame to go around. The blame goes to everybody, and everybody's accountable. Everybody that I know is accountable. Derek has been more than accountable all year. And you could tell that Derek was just not as comfortable, I think, this year than he was with Gruden or maybe before that, definitely with Musgrave. And I don't know the complexities of all that. Derek's been through a lot. He just went through the John Gruden and Josh McDaniels master's degree in offensive playbooks. They're hard, man. I've talked to coaches on and off the record. This is demanding. It was very demanding on Derek. And Derek put in a lot of time to try to get this offense down. And this year was a bit of a struggle. The only thing I've said, and I've said it to you every show, I wish Derek had a better offensive line. I think if Derek had a better offensive line, we wouldn't be in this situation. I really do. But for whatever reason, the offensive line's not where it needs to be. And there's a lot of correction trying to go on with that. Dave Ziegler's got a lot of work to do, I believe, with that offensive line, and I believe he's going to fix it. I think it's a very big priority. That's why they took Dylan Parnham in the third round with their first pick. I think in the first three rounds, they're probably going to get an offensive lineman and an offensive lineman in free agency. They will have it. They need a mandatory two new starters of legitimate, proven guys up front to go ahead with Colt Miller. Well, the next quarterback will have the same problem. Antonio in Modesto. Thanks for being patient. Go ahead. Hey, uh, JT, uh, happy holidays, uh, uh, happy new year. Hey, uh, I, I go back to Pele, man. I didn't know who Pele was till about 77, 79 when he was with the New York Cosmos when he used to do that reverse or upside down scissor kick, whatever it was called. I, I remember that when I was a kid back in the Bay. Hey, uh, 
the DC thing, man. A um, couple things. Mike Fiorio or even Peter King came mm. out and said that that interception he threw at half, before halftime in the Rams was like was it was a straw that kind of broke the camel's back. One of the worst throws that we've ever seen. I was in Oakland in the Bay in 2014. I, I kept saying we got a quarterback. We got a quarterback. Um, it's unfortunate, but I can't feel sorry for a guy that's going to have a lot of money in the bank. I mean, I, I mean, money. The money that he's going to be able to, we got gener- generational wealth for his family. You know, he's going to, they're going to be fine. I think he'll play. But here's my scenario, JT, and I don't know if you want to hang mm-hmm. up or you agree with me or not. I would trade into the Colts mm-hmm. for D4, D4's Buckner, uh, get either a second or a third. I don't think we can get a one. You can get a second mm-hmm. or third, and, and, and you got your defensive tackle, um, the, the D tackle that you've been missing forever. Mm-hmm. Have, him, have him with uh, Mad Max on the side and use that too. And then I hate to say it too. I think Waller was on the trade block earlier in the year when that Packer rumor was going around. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are my scenarios. If that's what the, the business decision that you have to make, that's the, the business decision I'm going to go for. I try to get a get a good draft pick or get a, a solid defensive starter, and then um, see where mm-hmm. we can come up as a quarterback. You know, but yeah. Anyway, that, that's my thoughts, uh, uh, JT. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Happy New Year to everybody who's listening. I think that's the goal is the maximum value you could get for Derek. What could it be? A player and a pick? Could it be another quarterback and a pick? What can it be? What can it be? And that's way out there for us to figure out. I want to thank Charles Woodson and his entire team at Woodson Whiskey. Wherever you go in Vegas, you should be asking for Woodson Whiskey. Your retailers, casino properties, corridor, restaurants off the strip. That's why Charles is with us. Ask for Woodson Whiskey, the great Charles Woodson's winning brand of wine and whiskey. We thank Woodson Whiskey for everything they do on the flagship. Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, um, you know, look, I mean, he's, he, he works really hard, and he's uh, very bright. Um, understands our offense and system. He pre- he's prepared like he's playing every week since he's been in the NFL. Um, he was the backup as a rookie. Um, he, he has experience getting himself ready to go um, in that regard. Um, and I th- thought that, you know, giving him a full week of, you know, see- seeing how this, you know, affects his preparation, his practice, his performance on Sunday, I think is a good, you know, a good starting point for him. But um, I expect him to be ready to go like he's always been. Um, I know I know that's his mindset. He works really hard to do that. <clears throat> it's Coach McDaniels talking about Jared Stidham. He gets the start. Derek Carr inactive. Want to thank the entire team of Remy Quantro, Remy Martin team up for excellence. One of my longest standing partnerships here on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio, you always hear me talk about Remy and everything they do in the community, everything they do with our show. Remy Martin team up for excellence and their team with what we do here on the flagship gives us the opportunity to do a show every day. Thanks to everybody at Remy Quantro for everything they've done this year, and we wish them well as we go forward with our partnership into the new year. Jared Stidham, I'd rather see Carr. I'd rather see this game be a playoff game. What should infuriate Raider fans is what happened this year with some of the losses because the Titans are playing the Cowboys tonight, and the Titans are resting their starters because the game doesn't matter. Let that sink in. They're 7-8. and eight. They're going to lose and be 7-9. and nine. The Jaguars know the same thing's happening to them. The Jaguars are playing the Texans. Assuming they beat the Texans, it doesn't matter. The division comes down to the following week. So you want to be upset as a Raider fan? Losing to Jacksonville 
was a dagger. Up 17 to nothing because the Jaguars and the Titans, one of those teams are going to win the division and go to the playoffs. Both of those teams beat the Raiders, and the Raiders should have beat both those teams. Not a reach. Uh, Raiders dropped the ball, went through Waller's hands at the goal line in Tennessee right in front of me. If that could have been caught, the Raiders could have won that game. A lot of things that went into that loss in Nashville. What a road trip that was for Raider fans. And then the Jaguar loss was unacceptable because the Jaguars, I don't think, had a better roster than the Raiders. They had the first pick overall. So the losses compounded to the fact that these teams now won't have, they'll barely have a better record than the Raiders, and they're sitting players because the final game of the year is the game that matters most. That's what's really troublesome. Nash is out in Houston. Nash, Happy New Year. Thanks for calling. Wrap it up. Hey, all right. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, as a uh, as a guy from New Jersey, kind of like East Coast guy like you, I, I remember going to the Meadowlands and watching Pele play with the Cosmos and Franz Beckenbauer as mm-hmm. a young teenager. So uh, it was incredible uh, to watch and what a statesman for soccer. And I'm not a soccer guy. Well, I'll tell you, you, you talk about the Raiders, though, and I'll tell you, you know, uh, what first thing is, I really appreciate Josh McDaniels. After we beat uh, the Patriots, you watch Bill Belichick's news conference, and that's painful. And Josh is honest. He's up front. And they're making tough choices mm-hmm. that uh, we'll find out in the next two or three years whether they worked, uh, rather that's cutting the offensive tackle beginning of the season or sitting Derek for a couple games. But this is their team. They're saying everybody's going to be accountable, and, and that's what they're doing. And, we got to have faith in those guys. I mean, somebody just called uh, just a few moments ago and talked about, you know, their ability to draft. Well, uh, Ziggler just drafted Matt Jones, and he looked pretty good last year. Yeah, it was. And, and, and they didn't even have to move up for him. And it will really be interesting to watch if they mm-hmm. do play faster. It's because you just made the comment about Carr being comfortable. If, if Stenham is just more comfortable and they get up to the line and just play a little faster. I mean, mm-hmm. snapping a ball with seven or eight seconds left versus two or three and just play faster. It, it'll be very interesting to see how they play uh, with a different right. quarterback who maybe is more comfortable in the system. And, and the last thing to me is just what uh, earlier your uh, speaker, Vince, talked about. Uh, I'm surprised Derek's not there. I mean, again, I can't get in his heart. I don't know what, what's going on. He's a class guy. You want good people to succeed. So I've got nothing but the best wishes for him. But watching Matt Ryan, knowing he's not going to play, sitting there on the sideline with the Colts. I was hoping that's what we'd see uh, yeah, so was I. with Derek. Yeah, appreciate the call. i got to run. I don't know why they negotiated that or what went on behind the scenes with that. I think that'll come out down the road on that. It's, it's a hard time for Derek. And uh, we all know he's going through a really tough time now. It's hard. And don't know what that conversation was like. Mario in San Jose, wrap it up. Mario, we got to wrap up. I'm sorry we didn't get to you. I hate when that happens. like to get to everybody, but we were packed today. Thanks to Bobby for running the show. Tomorrow's our last show of the year, our last talk show of the year before next year. Then Sunday, we hope to see you at the Torch for the pregame show. It's an early start. We'll be at the Torch at 11.15 for Niners at the Raiders. Thanks to all of our proud partners. We appreciate it. Q is coming up next. Have a great day, everybody. Tomorrow, my conversation with head coach Josh McDaniels about the benching of Derek Carr and going with uh, Jarrett Stidham. Have a great day. Oh, also tomorrow morning, 9 to noon, 9 a.m. to noon tomorrow. I'm on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82 before this show. Long day tomorrow, but it starts at 9 a.m. on Sirius XM 82. Have a great night, everybody. Appreciate you.